What's up, guys? Welcome to the Wedding Pros Podcast. It's been a little while, but we're super glad you guys are joining us today. If you like what we're doing, definitely hit that subscribe button, hit that bell so you get alerted. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, welcome as well. Um, it's been a little while, Jared, huh? That's been a little while. Yeah. It's been a little while. We've had a crazy September. Like Crazy September, probably crazier October. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's fun. Summer's fun. Yeah, it's it's um, wedding season in New England. It just hits like a fever pitch in like September, October. If you're from like another part of the world or another part of the country, just know like most new most New England creatives are doing like eh, I would say fifty percent of their volume in two months. So, yeah. um, so we got a special guest today, uh, Mark Spooner. What's up, Mark? Not much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So Mark is one of the um, best photographers <laughs> in the New England area. He's based out of the North Shore, which is just north of Boston, if you don't know that. Um, Mark, why don't you tell a little bit about yourself? Um, how did sure. you get into photography? Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm based in Beverly, Mass., just north of Boston. Um, I've been shooting weddings now for uh, about six years. Uh, and I got into photography... Um, I mean, in its origin in high school, uh, they just like taking photos and I got a camera for high school graduation, which was nice. Dude, I was the same exact way. Yeah. Right. Just it's like, a, yeah. it's a, it's a good way into it. Cause you don't care too much. Yeah, so it's yeah. just like fun. Uh, just like I'll then, snap photos of like flowers and fields and stuff. Exactly. And right. Fun. Right. Uh, <laughs> you took like this, you walk up and write to like the skateboard wheel or something yeah, yeah, yeah. to take way too close of a picture. Yeah, and it's hilarious. It my, my mom still has, uh, in their living room at, and my family's house, like the four photos, not that I like my first four photos, but like it's this photo of like a blurred out bike and like grass yeah. in the foreground, <laughs> a pine cone. And they're like framed big yeah. in our living room. Yeah. And she's still to this day like has friends over. And it's like my son's a very, a photographer. A very <laughs> like, famous photographer. Mom, this is, this is not like, okay, thanks. I appreciate yeah. it. But, uh, but yeah. Like so your those, first dollar bill. That yeah. Has a business, I'm not sure my know. parents have ever even looked at my work. Oh yeah. My, my mom <laughs> proudly has the pine cone. Uh, front and center yeah. in the living room, but uh, but yeah. So then I uh, I came to school up here, um, and I actually studied psychology, um, and which you know plays into the game a little bit. But I um, studied psychology halfway through college. I added a film uh, major, um, and uh, but on that side, I was always doing like more of the cinematography thing. I never really picked up video editing as a strength, uh, but that got me you know continued into storytelling and cameras. And then I went to a small school, kind of got a reputation as the camera kid. I also went to a Christian school and saw all these kids were getting married fresh out of college. And Money. I uh, shot a couple weddings, um, you know, of friends. And then that uh, referral business just started. And um, suddenly I was shooting quite a bit of weddings and now it's a career. Yeah. We, um, <clears throat> when we started, it was kind of similar in that, like, you just go with the people you know, right? Right, right. Like, it's not when people are like, oh, what can I do with Facebook ads or whatever? And I'm like, would you book a photographer you never heard of off of a Facebook ad? Right. Probably not. Right. No, you, it's the people you know. Yeah. That's how you build. And I also think, too, like, it's been, I mean, you guys have obviously been doing this longer than I have, but I feel like for me as well, it wasn't um, like I didn't have an Instagram when I graduated college, which I was late to the game, I think, there too. But like, the whole like, industry hadn't been presented to me as something to desire necessarily. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's a newer trend maybe even to have like high school age kids wanting to be a wedding photographer yeah. or YouTuber yeah. or like any of these sort of, you know, last 10 years sorts of industries that have panned out a little bit more. Um, so I, it's sort of like I, I learned about the availability of this industry as I was accidentally entered into it. Yeah. Um, and for that reason, I've t kind of taken more time it's, it's been an interesting process of like identifying how I want to be a wedding photographer while I'm being a wedding photographer, as opposed to doing a lot of front end thoughtfulness about that. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Cause it's like, I don't know if you remember like our financial goals when we first started, but our financial goals for success <laughs> were pay off the gear we bought. Right. Right. Get out of debt. <laughs> yeah. Like it was like, we bought this gear. If we pay it, like, we paid it off in the first year and we were like, we are running a really successful business. Sure, sure. Like that's how we viewed it. And I meet some people now who are just started. And like I saw a guy yesterday say like, hey, I did 12 weddings and I really want to quit my job. And this is his first year ever doing it. 
I want to quit my job. I want to double my weddings next year. <sighs> and that's how, like, that's what yeah. he's setting himself up for. Sure. And I'm like, I don't know if that's good or bad, but right. it's like, I, I, I'm glad I didn't feel that way. Sure. Because when we started, we were doing, fi- like, I think it was like our fourth year, fifth year. Yeah. So we, we didn't really had, have anything to lose at that at that point because I was going to school. You were t- you had another job, and mm-hmm. it was like, well, you know, well, let's see what we can do and what, right. you know where we can get. And that's we, we probably didn't have like a full booked season until our fifth year. Sure, I think it was 2013. We had 40 weddings. Well, and it's funny too yeah. because of the scale. Like you guys have always at least been a duo, but then yeah. have subsequently kind of built things out. Yeah. The scale of what full means, like. That was the other thing is like I didn't have a I um didn't have a thought about like what full meant um because I was you know I didn't have this like I want to be a wedding photographer I need yeah. to make this much money with the uh, you know now obviously I've got a mortgage and a wife and yeah. uh, you know a life to pay for yeah. uh and um you know I have to have sort of a, a better way of measuring that but starting out especially it was just sort of like oh I guess I have five weddings this year I guess I have 10 But so that's such know. a great I I think if you can, if you are doing, you're starting out. I think my, this is my opinion. I know it's not for everybody, but I do think there's some wisdom here because it's myself and Jared and, and Mark all did this, which is our goal wasn't quit our jobs. Right. Our goal was just shoot the weddings we got booked for. Sure. That's my goal. At least it was like, oh, we got booked for these weddings. Maybe I can book some more next year. And so we were happy. Right. I was happy while we did it. I didn't feel this crazy pressure to be successful. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I was unsuccessful at any point. I don't remember ever thinking like, we're unsuccessful. We only have 10 weddings. Yeah. We yeah. were just like, yeah. We I'm weren't sad. even counting. At that point, we weren't even counting on it to be successful because it was like, at, we both have part-time jobs. We were like, oh, this will be good extra money kind of right. on the side. And then it was just like, well, we, do we have to start taking this seriously? Will this be our, you know, Sure. Yeah. I mean, gig? To me, there's like, there's both benefits there's, you know, benefits and struggles to both kind of avenues, right? So, like, I didn't have, like, this vision of being a wedding photographer full-time and having that be my bread and butter. And for that reason, I didn't have some of the, like, existential crisis that I've seen some friends who enter with that, like, gung-ho, I'm going to book this amount of weddings, and when they don't achieve that success, they freak out. But at the same point, because it was a little bit more haphazard and, as you guys know, like, if you're doing things right in business, you can book out pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. And if you're not thoughtful about like what you want your life to look like, you can suddenly commit a summer or a season or a year of your life somewhere, um, which is kind of what I did. You know, before I thought about like why I wanted to be a wedding photographer, if I wanted to be a wedding photographer, I had contracted myself to be a wedding photographer. And thankfully, you know, through a process of thinking about, you know, what this means and what I, what satisfaction I got out of it. Um, I was able to kind of sustain that and have been, but it's still an ongoing process. But for me, that was more like the crisis was more, which sounds, you know, maybe to someone who's like struggling to get business, it sounds like an arrogant thing to say, but like, it was suddenly like, Oh, I didn't really think about like wanting to do this. And now I'm just doing this. Do I want to do this? Mm -hmm. And you felt, and because I went with the business model of like my name photography, your identity is so wrapped up in it. And it's not this like, you know, business that you're like oh my business didn't really work out it's like my like art craft it's like, <laughs> well, no, it's like i always we talk about this a lot and I, I kind of will tease people but I, I do understand it which is like they're not if you're if it's you right just like you know you, you watch cooking shows yeah, yeah i always totally. talk about like it's me i want to see you on a plate right and, like, <laughs> and i think like that's what photographers are doing yes a lot of times or videographers like that's a big deal and i, I came out of the music world Sure. So I already had my art where I was like, um, I just sold out at that point because I was just like, well, I try to be an artist and I can't. Sure. So now I'm going to sell out. But I think everyone has to go through that evolution, not so much a sellout. That's a negative phrase. But this idea that it's not bad to try to be profitable and run a business. Right. And like, it's okay. Yeah, totally. It's okay. And I think a lot of us, at first, we want to like stick to our... When we started making our product, it was totally different than what we're making now. And, and we eventually had to go like, well, people don't want to buy that. Sure. And, and, and it had to come into our head that, oh, no, they're not rejecting me. Sure. They just they don't understand the product or they don't want the product. And right. I don't know if that's something that you went through. So tell me a little bit about, you know, creatively, mm-hmm. you kind of got started. When did you start? I shot my first wedding in 2012. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and then um, sort of built it up over the next couple of years and then was pretty consistently shooting weddings after 2013, 14. But what's important to you about the art that you're making? Like, what, what, what how would you describe, I hate this question. No, no. I sound I, like a, I sound like a, like, with a bride. How would you describe your work? <laughs> no, it's like, I mean, I think it, it's funny. Like, I appreciate the, like, oh, I hate this question. But I also think it's an important it question. It is an important so, question. So, like, um, I think to me, especially over the last several years, what's um, kind of become a more focus of my work is, um, like, you know, technical Technically, I want everything to be sound. I want it to be buttoned up. I want it to be, you know, uh, to the extent that I'm able, I want it to be timeless. You know, I want it to be a quality product when people look back on it in 20 years, 30 years. Um, but outside of the product, I want it to be like a description that I use um, often is honest, which is, you know, sounds easy to understand. <laughs> but I think like honest both to me and honest to the client, I think there's something about um, making things appear as beautiful as they can be, um, but also like not ever have that take away from, uh, particularly within the context of weddings, like the experience of a wedding day. So what I would say to a prospective client is, you know, I'm I'm going to be there to help facilitate things as photogenically as they can be, but I'm, I won't let that um, get to a point where it like creates your experience of the day. So I ideally want my clients to look back on their wedding photos and be like, oh man, that's like a great preservation of a moment that happened rather than like, oh yeah, I remember when we like had to go out in the field. And you know, sometimes it is pragmatically, it's like, yeah, we did go out in a field and we took pretty photos at sunset, but hopefully that experience of taking the photos of sunset is a memory of itself rather than like, oh yeah, I remember when I needed that photo because like Instagram told me I needed it or something like that. Uh, Honestly, like, that's those moments are so hard to make. Yeah. Like for couples, like, and to create more than a session, sure. but to create a moment. I don't think we successfully do it all the time. We're not usually in charge. The photographer right. is, but, but at the same time, that's hard to do. It is. Yeah. And it's, it's something that, um, is, you know, something that I've kind of like refined over the years, I think, and I'm still constantly refining it, but I think, Part of it originated out of like this feeling of like one of the things that I probably like, one of the things that probably ruminates in my mind often most is like this idea of imposter syndrome or whatever, you know, where I'm like constantly feeling like this, the stress of business for me is yes, it's capacity, it's workload, it's time of day, but it's also just like a little bit more existential than that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, you know, am I being honest? Am I being, so like that, that sort of personal thought process that I have going on a lot motivates the way I approach shooting weddings. So I want to make sure that clients, when they get their photos back, don't feel like they got like, I want their photos to feel true to them. And as much as they're proud Not to like share weird, friends. They were playing characters. Right, exactly. Yeah, like that, uh, to me, that would be like the, in some ways, like the saddest experience is like a really beautiful photo that like whatever kills it on my homepage, but at the end of the day, like doesn't feel truthful like they get the photo and they're like, man, I don't feel like that represents us as a couple. Like, I would never do that if he wasn't making. Yeah, it. that was such that was such Mark's idea of how we should look, and it's a collaborative process. Mm-hmm. And I start that early, right? So I start that in the initial, like when a client emails me and they say, hey, like, what's it like to work with you? They get a price book and it has my whole like value proposition and approach built into it, which you know, sort of they read. Let's like you know that sweet spot of being like short enough to want yeah. to read through. Yeah. Um, and detailed enough so that they have Well, I think somebody can see that you have an intention behind it. Yeah. And I think that matters. Yeah, and it, it builds into everything. So, like, for me, Instagram is, a, you know, as much as it's, like, a tool that, you know, can cause crises of identity and all these things and, like, comparison, it's, like, to me, it's, like, that's an avenue of, like, um, using caption content and anything like that to talk about motivation. So, yes, it's sharing a photo, but then... Like last night, I shared a photo of a reception that was hopefully like pretty enough to get attention. But then also, if a client took the time to read it, it kind of got into a little bit of the. And it's not always that serious and you know that philosophical. But it's like I take that opportunity to kind of explain what motivated that frame or whatever. And that's a good way, hopefully, to like create a value proposition. I want to be known as a photographer who cares about what he's doing, um, and so that. Like to me, when we were high, so I just got married in July and we had my friend Ben shoot our wedding. And Ben is a very fantastic photographer, someone I looked up to a lot. And kind of I always, you know, had him as someone to look up to. But also he's like 
to me, the majority of the way that he stands out is that he's like really built up a brand that's surround, like kind of um, motivated by his purpose and what motivates him. And um, it's, it's pretty hard to, and maybe I have more of a eye into this because I'm a photographer and I'm, I like spend my time in this. I don't know if the average client arrives and is like, oh, you're so different than all the other photographers I've looked at. But I want to be known as someone who cares about the work that he's doing in addition to being like good at it. Uh, well, that tells people how the experience is going to be. Yep. And yeah. I think that kind of leads into really, I think, something that we... We talk about this a lot. We had a podcast about it and just client experience. Yeah. This idea of um, every interaction is needs to be intentional mm -hmm. to produce the interaction that you want to have. Our goal is Stop Go Love because we're more of a volume brand is we want the experience to be um, that the B word. easy. Right. Easy. We want it to be easy. We yes. want you to feel like it's convenient. Mm -hmm. And easy, and that we added um, levity. Yep. But still, the, at the same time, you you love the product, and, mm -hmm. and I think right. most people do. But we we make sure to send that value yep. in every part of our sure. experience to the best of our ability. Is like trying that comes into the way we communicate, right. the way we speak. Hopefully, how quickly we get back to people, which we're not always as good as we want to be. You're saying this in September. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm great at client experience. Yeah. And then September hits. Yeah. <laughs> like, I will get back to you. But you, you just posted this thing on Instagram. Like, you shared a story from Kristen. I saw Kristen yes. Parker yes, this morning. Totally. Talking about, you know, going through, as mm -hmm. you're going through all these different weddings and, and you're just trying to get the work done right. to ponder about you know, certain things that the connection and human connection. I mean, yeah. I'm going to totally misquote it because it was a long, long yeah, caption. Yeah, but, no worries. But how, how do you find yourself staying true to the work in the middle of September? Yeah. So that's, a, I mean, that's a great question and one that I'm like asking, like I was yeah. driving same, down here. Same. I thought it was a question. good question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think. <laughs> I wanted to push it onto you before. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll answer it for you. I'll nail it. Uh, no, but I think um, like, so that, that question and the balance there kind of informs my capacity, right? Because we were talking, like, I was never all that thoughtful about, like, how many weddings can I take as a one-person team with, like, commitment A, B, C, and D in my personal life? Um, and so for me, like, kind of, like, getting up to that breaking point or, like, I don't know, breaking point. Like, I haven't had, like, a breakdown or anything. But I've definitely, like, hit, hit a part in the season where I'm, like, I am burnt. And I, like, think I'm actually more familiar which is like evidence of strain with like sustained burnout mm -hmm. than like these acute moments of like, oh, I can't do this. Um, and so like how to do that well to me is, is being thoughtful. Like to me, the capacity that I have now in, in really intimate ways, like being married and having close friendships and having like, connections with family and things like that, the degree to which I want to be able to pour into them and the degree to which I can care about, you know, a wedding, which become, which is kind of like multiple levels as a photographer and as a videographer as well, especially if you're doing kind of everything in house, like there's the prep leading up to the day, there's the day itself. And then there's the back end editing. And if at any point I'm feeling myself like really lapsing on one of those things. So like right now, because I'm in the, sort of the tail end of 2019, although the fall is crazy. Mm. You know, there's this feeling of like coming to the end of the race at a season, but it's also like heavy inquiry season for 2020. So I'm noticing like, oh, geez, I've got to like have this energy for clients in 2020. Um, and then there's the wedding day. And wedding day for me is all about like pre-event anxiety and then like, and then the event is great. Mm. Um, but making sure I have capacity to like, function well on all those fronts. Like if I get to the editing room of a wedding and I'm just uninvested in like carrying the quality through delivery, that's a signal to me that I'm either burnt out or I'm like taking on too much or whatever. Um, but like the degree to which you can manage that once you're in it is also, you know, I have clients and commitments and contracts and I can't just be like, oh, you know what? I learned on your wedding that I had taken on too much. <laughs> so... Unfortunately, because self-care is important to me, I'm not going to edit your way. You know, like you can't communicate that, but there are things that you can do to like really work on balance. Mm -hmm. And um, Well, we always say balance is not always possible. Right. Um, nature's not balanced. But um, 
seasons are, it's really seasons. You go sure. through seasons. But um, what is possible is boundaries. Sure. Yeah, <clears throat> exactly. And I think that's what we talk about a lot. It's like you don't need work-life balance because that by nature is ridiculous, especially for people like us who literally have three months out of the year where we don't do any weddings right. pretty much. Yeah. That's not balanced. We don't talk about that. Like, oh, I have so much free time. Like, we, sure. But we always talk about when we're – and I think people just learning, like, um, to embrace, I feel, um, a level of tension and stress and what that brings out of you right. and embracing that and looking for how does this make me better? Mm-hmm. How does this tension improve me? What does this reveal about me? Like right. when I'm in the middle of this stress and I'm willing to compromise on X, Y, and Z, what does that tell me about myself? Yeah, totally. You know, and it's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not organized. Sure. Or I actually, some things I've learned that we've preserved, like we got stressed and then we're like, we actually don't really care about this part of our product. Sure. We're not going to make it anymore. Right. Like we're not, we don't care about it. It's yeah. not important to us. It's good and to it's, be able to step outside of yourself to preserve certain bits. So like but that happens because of a crazy stressful time it does, where yeah. every time you get stressed, because you're you, forced to reconcile it. Mm-hmm, right. You got to deal with it. Yes. And I think like as much as a lot of people, they want to get out of the fire. Right. I'm like, sometimes you got to get in the fire, burn off the stuff that's yeah. not essential. And yeah. at the end of that season, you're going to be left with what you really want to be. Yeah. Right. I, I, I was thinking about that yesterday, like, cause we're at a season now where it's like, I feel more not burnt out, but I feel like a heavier weight than I have in any season that we've ever had. Cause we're, we're doing the podcast. We're doing Huxley film. We're doing stop, right. go love. We're talking about buying a cotton candy company. You know, there's all these different, I, I, all these different things that are going on and just like, Things that we're dealing with that we've never dealt with before, like sure. dealing with a lawyer, dealing with, you know, all these things. Yeah, and yeah. just it's it's a different thing, but doing it and figuring out where that line is, because once you know you're there and you're like, oh, I'm dealing with this, there's a solution to solve it. You know, you just haven't found it yet. And that's where growth is, happens, right. right? It's like, okay, uh, we're having a problem here. It's either, like Jay said, you burn the chaff off and it's just like, we're not going to do that anymore. Or... We're going to hire chaff. an office admin. It's biblical. It's, yeah, 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 I like that. We can't ever yeah. separate from that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like for us, like we just hi- had to hire an office admin because it was sure. like, and she's been a lifesaver and allows me to tackle much more creative right. than I, you know, have in the past. By the way, if you're listening to four this years. and you're thinking, oh, they got an office manager, I should get one. Nine years. We did this for yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to convince Jay to let me hire some help on that front for five years at this point. Yep. I think I mentioned probably five years ago. Yeah. We need now we have yeah. the financial resources to do there it. There you go. Yeah. Oh. But, but, but it's not like all this stuff like really comes through this crazy tension it and does, being yeah. a creative, but also an entrepreneur. Right. Well, and I think it's that it's, you need it. You need some experience in the crisis of running a business to be able to make good decisions. Like yes. there's something about, a crisis moment in business where you're just like, oh my gosh, I've never felt this like um, this overworked or like this burnt out. And there's there's kind of two options you have there, and it's kind of what you were saying. Like you can either use that as an opportunity to hyper focus on what the pain points are in your business so that you can remedy them, or it can break you and you can be. And I don't know where I am on that spectrum. <laughs> you know, like I um, thankfully, you know, just have a really good support system of people speaking into my life, you know, when I am on this kind of like very solo, you know, currently like my business structure is pretty individual. Um, so it's nice to have peers and people you care about kind of speaking into that. Um, but I can imagine that like as a partnership, you know, slash team based thing, it's, you know, you have those dynamics where it's like, Hey, can we do this? And it's like, no, we don't have enough money and whatever. Like you, those are conversations, but (laughs) You also can like be in constant dialogue about like, mm. hey, how do you feel like we're doing? Like, you know, oh, and I'm benefit. just like, I've just got a mirror and yeah. you know, a diary. Every <laughs> photographer we talk to deals with it because they're like, right. I want a team thing because then I have people to actually talk to and hear the trouble and go right. through this with. And it's like being a photographer is like, or or anything where you're doing solo, it's like right. it's a lonely island, man. You know, I I feel like I have a lot of outside perspective on it because we've never done it and I've seen a lot of people doing the opposite of what we're doing. And, and what I see a lot is this intense personalization of a job Yes, that 
there's the healthy part of it is it produces good work. Right. The negative part is you are your own glass ceiling. Exactly. And it's like, when you talk, like I'll say to them like, well, I talked to someone earlier. I want to scale. I'm like, okay, we'll just get some people to help you, but they won't be good. Okay. Well, you can't scale. Right. The end. Like we can talk about it and we can just exhaust it, but let's be honest. And until you're willing to give up a level of control and accept less, if your entire career is built on, I care about this and I have this quality, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to scale. You just won't. Even if, because I think a lot of times people use the word caring and quality to mean personal things that they gain value out of. So they don't really mean caring and quality because the client looks at it and goes, oh, that's quality, that's quality, that's quality. There's a range of, a much larger range of what they would perceive to be quality and caring than we do. Right. As artists, because we have the things. And I think like it really comes down to the positive is you have something that you get value out of mm-hmm. and you have a contribution to the world. You're adding beauty and creating art. The negative is you're your own limit. And so where does that kind of. I mean, maybe you agree, you don't agree, but but where does that kind of play into you've talked a little bit about scaling to us and this idea of growing beyond your own limitations and figuring that next step. I don't necessarily think by the way, there is a, I don't think everyone needs to run this team-based business. I think it's fine. We, 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 internally we say there's an artist model and there's a studio model. Neither of them are wrong. Both are good. They have their, I think a studio, it's going to be harder to produce this elite level work. But, I, but you're going to be able to produce things people are happy with sure. and much more volume. An artist can have total control, yeah. but they can't maybe scale the same way. So. Yeah, so I think, yeah, I never, I didn't at the onset of starting to photograph weddings be like, I want to do this by myself. I was just like, I'll do this by myself because I am the only person who's getting what asked to do it. What other way can you do it? Right, yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah. So there wasn't like a ton of thoughtfulness about it. And then, you know, pretty quickly in a way that I'm, happy with and really proud of and feel privileged to say, you know, I quickly kind of got to that threshold of capacity and asking those questions. I was lucky enough to be, you know, desire, you know, lucky enough, but also worked hard enough, you know, it's that weird interplay between trying to be humble, but also acknowledging the effort you put in to, um, to have, you know, a lot of referral business and kind of get up to a threshold where I was like, Whoa, can I maintain this? Um, can I do more than this? Do I charge more? Do, you know, what are, what are those thresholds? And then, but kind of getting to that point where I'm like, because like you said, everything's wrapped up in self and identity. And, you know, there's a beautiful amount of pride and control and, you know, I don't know, kind of quality control. It's customer experience. Exactly. Customer experience. Like you can control for customer experience and product when you're a one man team oh, yeah. to the degree that you, you know, manage your off days or whatever. Um, but you also kind of, you're, you don't have anyone to offload onto. And so, um, I think what's interesting about my business is I'm now at that like five, six year point where my product has become, has solidified itself enough in that sort of artist model that the question is, can I slowly transition into a micro studio, you know, two, three person team, um, and keep it under the same brand or would a transition of structure mandate a transition in business name? Right. So like the conversation. So right now I have an associate. Like, Is it that different of a product? Exactly. Right. And so right now I feel really lucky. I have an associate who, um, came on board with me named Carl, um, who kind of was a similar photographer. He, you know, oh, is maybe, a, yeah, Carl hired all great guy. Yeah. Just got married on Saturday. Actually. Oh, no way. I yeah, he that. did. So Carl's kind of was doing his own thing and then uh, relocated to Beverly. And so he sort of had the motivation of um, connecting with people who had been in the area for a little while and agreed to come on, uh, sort of second shot with me a few times. And then he's come on as an associate, which is sort of a like that, kind of hybrid model of studio, right? So like I don't owe him a paycheck beyond what he books under my brand. So that's nice for me because the like the level of stress of like needing to provide for a, a person is not extended beyond like, oh yeah, if he books if we book a wedding for him, he'll get this cut. And that's nice because like the cost to my business is established in our agreement. So there's not a sudden stress of I need to make sure that I make 
his paycheck's worth of money. Yes. Yeah. So it's not like hiring on an office, you know, assistant yeah. who's just going to be an hourly rate yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there is a degree of like, so now the way we currently have it structured is that, you know, and they're still, clients are still hiring Mark Spooner Photography. I'm doing, like, I do the gallery delivery. Um, they're getting my, you know, admin process, all that. And uh, Carl's just the photographer for the day. And, you know, he's done, thankfully, a, a fantastic job of kind of carrying the brand. And we knew each other well enough on the front end. But he's also, like, in my experience, kind of a diamond in the rough in that yeah. experience. We've talked a lot about this. Oh, like, it's so... <sighs> The egos, man. Yeah. In in, I mean, in the in the photography world. Right. It's just painful. People sure. would rather go out of business than work for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's great. And he's 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 really fantastic. He does his own thing, but he also is like super receptive to kind of like, okay, on, on this wedding I'm shooting for you. How do you like to do things? Thankfully, we were sort of synced up on that already. Um, and also his talent level is just really high, both in, both interpersonally. And in my opinion, uh, and you know, technically, mm -hmm. and so he's been a great fit, and we are sort of actively in conversations. We kind of, thankfully, in some ways, are coming to the table with the same issues as one man teams. So when I say like, man, it would be really nice to have a partner, he's like, yeah, it would. <laughs> and you know, so there's a lot of conversations about kind of what what um, a transition might look like. Um, but yeah, to to answer your kind of question about like artist model, studio model. I think the tension that I'm riding right now is like, can you, can you create a studio model or what form of studio model can you create out of an artist model if you, if you started in that set? And you guys are kind of doing, mm -hmm. in some ways, the reverse with something like Huxley. Right, like you're doing, you've been doing a volume thing and now with Huxley, you just said like you're trying to shoot a limited amount of weddings but make it a really high quality. Well, well for us, it's, it's more about, I always think about it like, a product right so this this is a product that we're delivering and people like it all right and so i always try to start there externalizing the business making it about the client not about me and so like if a client is happy with just a recap video and and they don't actually care if i shot it or if caleb shot it they're just happy and sure. they want our editing style they want some of the things that we provide they want the customer experience like what is really important to them and that will be kind of an ego crush to some people because they might realize like the person doesn't care if you meet them for coffee sure but like for some people it's like they'll tell me like i'm very hands-on i want to meet the person in per and, and like and they think that's a really big deal to the client and if they got yeah. rid of it they might find out the client didn't care right they were just as happy and so if that was where we started was like okay well yeah, that was a great day when i was just like i'll talk to you over the phone and it didn't seem to matter yeah yeah, yeah. Like, yeah it didn't really matter oh. coffee shops yeah so the handcuffs with, off yeah. with, with huxley we were like okay jared and i we've been behind the scenes a really long time nobody really People are always like, you know everyone, but nobody really kind of knows us as people. Like, we have no name, but we have a huge volume. Sure. We're doing a thing that I think is objectively successful, but we don't have any way of, like, propelling it forward. Sure. And so we were like, we have to do something that's us. Sure. So then we can book another 250 Stop Go Love Weddings. Yep, yeah, yeah. Because somebody's going to call me up and go, I want Huxley, and I'm going to be like, I only got 10 bookings available, they're booked, or it starts at this price. Yeah. But I got something else I endorse. Right, right, right. And it's this other product, and I'm behind it 100%, and you can have it. Sure. And we'll sell it to you for accessible luxuries, what we call it. It's, right. And it's like, it's more about, I'm thinking about the customers, I'm thinking about how we want to grow the business, I'm thinking about retiring. Yeah. Like, I kind of, and, and like at the, after we think about all that, then we go, what do we want to make? Right. But it's like, that's, I think, where we're different than most people is like, everyone yeah. goes like, well, I really want to make this thing. And then they think about all the other stuff. We always sure. think this, like, where do I want to go with my business? Mm -hmm. What tools do I have to get there? Right. And it's like, well, we can shoot pretty well. Yeah. It's like an afterthought. Sure. Right, right. <laughs> well, and so, so what was it for you guys besides, which I think is a great strategy, like, can't have this, but you can have this. Uh, you know, that's kind of what I've done with Carl too. It's like in the event. I mean, th that's the that's the hole that Carl was filling for me mm -hmm. is like lost opportunities just because of capacity, right? So it's just like, oh, I'm not available. Man, it'd be really nice if the person that I always sent them to kind of worked for me mm -hmm. a little mm -hmm. bit. Uh, and so that's the agreement that he was, you know, thankfully on board with. And we've now kind of kicked back to each other, and it's been great. Um, but 
So what for you, besides that kickback, was the determination that Huxley Film would be a separate entity as opposed to you got package A, B, and C, and D, which comes, like, why Huxley as opposed to just, like, the Mondo Stop Go Love package? Um, I, probably mostly branding. Um, sure. I, I think just if, if somebody sees, like, we want to go to a completely, like, four or five times as much as a Stop Go Love package, sure, like, sure. would be. So yeah, it was yeah. like, so, so people that want, that kind of film, seeing Stop Go Love, they'd be like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah the, you know. Like you needed to be pretty boutique. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. And then also for our, our current clientele, we didn't want them to feel like we were offering something less. Sure. We want them to feel like we're still giving our all, which we are, yep. really. We're just I think making that's, it I think that totally match, makes sense. match the price. It's, yeah. um, it's like, and they don't need to know that they don't want to spend more. Yeah. Sure. They need to know. They think spending $3,200 is ridiculous amount of money. Like I, sure. I, I talked to a, a, a dad and a client I shot photos for on Sunday. Sure. They're like, oh, $2,000. Like, this is really expensive, huh? And I was like, ah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, it, it, it depends where you're coming from. Sure. Like, And then I go into his garage and he's telling me about his Audi. That his wife is always bumping, and it's one of five hundred in the world. It has to be a hundred twenty thousand dollar car. Right, and I'm like, right. kind of expensive, huh? You know? <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. You know, so it's. A, I guess it's just a matter of. Yes, the psychology of it for us is: I want everyone who buys it to think that they're buying something expensive. Yes. Yeah. And I want them to feel good about the purchase. Yep. And and if you, I've always said, if someone can't afford it even if they find a way to afford it. And I've heard this strategy in photography and in videography, like, oh, a cart, get them, get them to buy more than they can afford. That's a big strategy. Like, sure. oh, I, you know, if you charge more, they'll buy it. And, like, they might, in an emotional moment, buy that thing. But I'm positive that it's the source of a lot of their buyer's remorse, which sure. causes finicky people, which yep. causes distress. We yeah, don't get any true. of that crap. That's true. That's great. Nobody does that to us. Pretty much. Maybe some of the parents who don't really know what they're buying sometimes, very rarely. Sure. But our clients raw feel yeah, exactly yeah. like yeah. It, we shoot 120 weddings and nobody says crap. They're happy. Sure. And, and like, that's our goal. And right. so I think like creating a brand that satisfies someone and produces no opportunity for dissatisfaction was the goal. It's like, sure. If somebody wants to spend 10 grand, which really will be more, um, but it's a real production. We're going to sit down with you. We want you to want that product. Sure. We don't want you to want Stop Go Love. Yep. So if we sit down with you, we're going to be like, so yeah, that's here's good, all the that's pre-production. That's cause for separation there. Yeah. No. It's a totally different sales process. Yeah, yeah. It's a totally different creative. We do real pre-production. You get storyboards. Like, right. I'm not going to do that with the other product. That's awesome. So, so not because I think that you need to do that to make a good wedding sure. film, but because you need to do it to make that wedding film. Sure. Yeah. So that's really why. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I'm assuming a lot of people who are hearing this, um, hopefully they're Mark Spooner fans, of course. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> deep deep that, and loyal fans. Isn't that weird to think that, like, someone could be like, oh, I love that guy. It, it, it's actually really funny because, like, you spend your time putting your, like, especially my whole business model has been my name. And so, and I, this is going to come off, like, arrogant. No, it won't. But, I don't, like, this, it's deeply ironic <laughs> when Nothing I. Nothing you could say would come across as arrogant. I don't know. It's, it's ironic when i get uncomfortable i guess it's ironic when i get uncomfortable when someone tells tells me like they like my stuff yeah. because there's this like, disassociation which speaks to a lot about like the psychology of social media and promotion yeah, yeah. and stuff but there's this like disconnect of like oh yeah i i posted that like when someone tells me they like noticed uh like oh i saw you had like a fire with your wife last night and i'm like <laughs> what yeah. was and, that a good fire and it's like yeah and then it's like oh yeah like i totally put that out on the internet like kind of for you to see that I had a fire with my yeah, wife yeah, last night, yeah. but now I'm uncomfortable when you tell me in real life yeah. that you saw yeah. that. Like, <laughs> and so it's, you know, to me, it's way more of a, like a problem with how disassociated we become with, uh, you know, what we're putting out there. But it is funny to think of like, yeah, Mark Spinner fans. That's yeah. Not or just anybody like who is into what you do. It's as a creative, like, or I always think like, I always feel like no one likes what we do. 
I know that that's not true, but in right, my head, right. I'm like, yeah, you have that. Well, you probably have the people that like. For me, what it is, and again, it's like the whole comparison cycle that is just totally non-productive. But there's a lot of people that if I'm like, for instance, we're doing a podcast right now. This is cool. Like objectively, like it's like a trendy thing to do. You know? Oh yeah, Check that's it why out. we did it. Right. Like and subscribe. We have no business goals. Just right. Just tell us we're cool. Yeah. No. 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 It's it's deeper than that. But like. This is something that if I see a friend of mine be like, oh, I was interviewed on a podcast, I'm like, cool, I'm going to go check out that podcast. Yeah. And, but I associate so much more that feeling of like my interest in what someone else is doing that it can, you can get wrapped up in that and assume that no one could have that same level of interest in like you doing that same thing. Mm-hmm. So this is the, like a big problem with like self. There's this like really weird metronome of like getting arrogant, like you said, like the ego yeah. and also having the confidence to put yourself out there. It's like this very weird kind of oscillation that you have to manage of like, I want to be proud enough of the work that I'm doing that I can like boldly and confidently tell you, tell like the world, like, Hey, I did this thing this weekend. Look at it. And, but also not get so wrapped up in that, Mm -hmm. that you're like, that's what I can. Well, I feel like there's a common theme here, which, and it's a theme in my own life. And it really, it's allowed us to be successful. I think because these are our values, which are, I'm not what I do. Yes. Yes. I'm not, that's not who I am. It's not what I get my value from. Right. It's not, and it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It, you have to actively pursue that way of thinking because it's not natural. Right. The natural way is to either feed your ego or feed your insecurity, I think. Sure. One or the other. And they're usually at the same time, I guess. But, but I know for a lot of people, like if I was to like give you a nugget today and Mark, I think, is um, and giving it to you without necessarily saying explicitly, which is um, fight that fight, like deal with that. Like yeah. deal with that idea of like, um, and be comfortable with this idea that like, you're always going to be wrestling between the internal and the external and right. trying to reconcile these two things together as a business owner, as an artist, right. as a customer service person, bringing what's outside in and what's inside out and all mm-hmm. these things. And it's like, at the end of the day, you need something that's not your art or your job that gives you satisfaction and makes you feel alive and makes you feel connected to other human beings. Because for me, I'm very comfortable with the fact that the people I work with are not my real friends. All right, man. Sorry, Jared. <laughs> like, I don't mean like brutal. Jared. No, I mean I'm like the kidding. clients we have. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. You know, they're not my friends. We're friendly. Like you just yeah. don't. He's right there. Yeah, I'm like, no, I'm just kidding. But like, but I, so I need people sure. that are real and yes. that have nothing to do with any kind of transaction sure. or any of my own ego because really I'm getting ego off these clients. Right, right. You know, so of course I'm going to be nice to them. They yep. serve a utilitarian purpose in my life. Although wedding clients of mine performed my wedding ceremony. So sometimes they become they your friends. Yep. Yes, right. Yep. Exactly. They very well could. We yep. have someone who we did their wedding who's our Natalie Denice is our... Oh, nice. She, we shot her wedding. Oh, that's awesome. You know, and we love Natalie. Sure. She is a real person, but like, that's not why yes. I'm doing it. Yeah, right, you're right. I'm doing it because... You don't need that level of connection to happen every time. No, and I also like, I'm not even expecting it. Right. And I know I need to, I need to get it, mm-hmm. but I needs to be something that is outside of the weddings and outside of my work. Totally. And I know like, that's really hard. And like, if you're new... You and you are able to succeed, and, and and you're able to keep at it for like a couple of years. I think it hits you harder in the middle of like like at year four or five. I, yeah, I think that's kind of why. Like, it's when you hit that level of success that you have to like. It's when you get something that's worth sustaining mm-hmm. that you have to start caring about the sustainability of it, right? Yep. And ideally, you've done more front end work. But that that for me is what's motivating this. Is like oh. This is actually like a viable means of me supporting myself, my family. Mm-hmm. I'm still enjoying it for the most part, but now I've got to think critically with the structure that I've inadvertently chosen, how do, how do you make this yep. sustainable? And that's as much, I think on the artist model, it's probably more existential than it is like on the volume model, studio model. It's all about efficiency, structure, and there's like a great deal of like team management for sure. Like that's the culture bit that you guys have. But like with the artist model, it's internal culture. It's like it's existential culture yeah. that you have to foster rather mm-hmm. than like team building communications and mm-hmm. standards and stuff like that. 
itself. Uh, I think our challenge is trying to figure out ways to connect with people in a similar way that an artist can connect with people. Right. Like, I'm just going to share my thoughts on this thing. Like, right. It's a lot harder to do that when you're studio size, like on social media or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, and, and relating to people that way. And I think when people get to know us, they're like, Oh, I like Jared. You know, I like Jared. I like, well, that's the thing. I, like like those you, I mean, if anybody, I don't know if it's the goal, but yeah. if any like stop, go love clients tuned into the podcast, oh, yeah. they would like, they would see that there's like a lot of thoughtfulness and sort yeah. of like a, a ton of sort of really deep personal thought process and yeah. investment between the two of you yeah. into like why you're doing what they're doing, even if the product they receive is the result of a volume model yep. that's really, you know, still curated. Um, you're going to find as you develop, um, if you develop a studio model, if that's the direction you decide to go. And probably a lot of people, by the way, are out there, either photographers, videographers. I know planners that are doing this right now. Um, I'm sure a DJ could do this. Mm -hmm. Is like, really, mm -hmm. how do you scale yourself? Yeah. Is really the process of externalizing your values. Right. And explaining to someone what makes you you, and then it becomes a brand. Right. And that's all a brand is. Yeah. A brand is just like, like when you talk about Coca-Cola, it's the flavor of Coke, but then it's like classic. Yes. It's like they have this aesthetic and this um, value set. That's why Coca-Cola will have a commercial, like, I don't know, people kissing. Like, mm -hmm. the, the, it's not like, oh, Coke, it makes you kiss. They're not trying to, they're saying, oh, this is the type of drink that people who feel this way would want to drink. And I right. think studios become more about that, which is like giving a, an overall impression. And for us, the challenge, and probably for you, is going to be what parts about what I do are transferable mm -hmm. and trainable? And what can I take out of my head and put in someone else's head? And like, there's probably some things that you're going to be like, I can't do it. And yeah. there are probably some things that you actually can do that. And what I find is a lot of people, when they find out that all they have to do is explain something to someone that they think is so special about them, yeah, it makes them feel like crap. Right, right, right. Because yeah. they were like, like, oh, I thought I was special. No, you sure. are special. You thought of it first. But like, sure. I think at the end of the day, um, growing a business is all about, I do think there's a level of depersonalization that has to happen mm -hmm. um, to push things to a level that it could be at. Yeah, and it, it's tricky because it, it, it totally depends on kind of where you fall within the spectrum of studio versus artist and kind of what you want to, what, mm -hmm. what you want to preserve. Because I, you know, I've heard a lot of people with the artist model that they're like, oh, yeah, I'll tell you anything, any technical, like there used to be, I think especially as things were like, as the world of YouTube tutorials was like less available, mm -hmm. there was like this secrecy to any technique that you'd nail as a photographer. When things were easier to be new, yeah. you know, like, oh, how'd you do a tilt shift? Like, what? How'd you get it blurry on the top and the bottom? And they're like, I bought a lens, but I'm not gonna tell you that because then if if you know that, then I'll lose my edge. Then I'm not special, that. right? That's exactly. That's my elite thing. But then, it's kind of to your point. It's like in a studio model, you need to have things that are replicable. Mm -hmm. But on an artist model, almost like the thing that you need to preserve, if that's what you're selling, is your experience like yeah you can have anyone come and and shoot a photo of you with a tilt shift lens and they can get them you know i don't really use a ton of tilt shift but sometimes i do like a, a mark spooner photo in that regard but you're not going to have the same experience because it wasn't mark spooner who did exactly. it exactly and yeah. so it yeah. but that's how hollywood is by right the way. exactly like, a lot of creatives that have never worked in production they think that everyone in hollywood it's not about your gear right it's all about this yeah. And that nobody can replace that. Right. That's you. So like that's where your value is to sure. the client is like what is in your head and and the experience you give them and all that stuff. Like sure. the value is not any technique. Right. And I think that's really what you're saying is like Yeah. And that's that's I think going to be the uh, you know, a challenge and Carl and I have experienced it for instance is like you know, when when someone comes to Stop Go Love and they're like, "Hey, we want to film by Stop Go Love," it's not hard to be like, "Cool, great, uh, you're booked. Your videographer for the day is gonna be Ben." Mm -hmm. And then it's like, "Cool, great, he's Stop Go Love." Yeah. But yep. for Mark Spooner Photography as a brand to be like, "Hey, I'm not available, but I have an associate shooter yeah. who does very similar work to me. We approach it the same way. He's available." And you know, the clients who have hired Carl, I think, have been really happy with him. And they've kind of, we've been able to translate that difference in a value way that's been fine. Um, but it is a different jump to be like, 
okay, so he's going to do what you do, but he's not going to be you, but we're going to hire you still. And it's like, yeah, uh, you know, that's, that's a, it's just a, a narrative that you have to kind of build out and, exp- mm-hmm. and, and, um, you know, it's all in the communication. Um, but that'll be, that's the question of like, okay, cool. If that's something that we want to grow more of, does it change from Mark Spooner photography into a separate brand or it really comes down to what can I support and what can I, what can I endorse? Right. Like, what am I comfortable standing behind? And it's like, I've realized I'm comfortable standing behind a range of things, mm-hmm. like depending on what you're paying for. Because you're paying for time. You're paying for individuals' time who have a, maybe a certain um, cachet. Like I, people deserve to pay. Jared shot hundreds of weddings. He deserves to, he demands a certain level of time. Right. But it doesn't mean it's not going to be good. Right. What you're going to get. And I think like if somebody wants to pay for expertise, if they want to have Jose Villa, for instance, they're going to pay 40 grand. Sure. But Jose, you call Jose Villa and he tells you, oh, it's 40 grand or I'm not going to take it because I'm booked or whatever the reason. Right. But I have this associate and they're, I don't know, 15 grand. Mm-hmm. Well, Jose Villa says they're good. Sure. So I'll take it. Like, and I think ultimately it's like Jose Villa knows I'll stand behind this associate. Sure. And I don't think you, I think if you're hearing like, and you're listening, you're like, oh, they just care about money and they'll scale it. Any, no. Like you have to be able to stand behind whatever yeah. it is that you do. Like you have to know, like, I'm not going to deliver a bad product. Yep. Yeah. And that's, and, and that's, I think part of what's made someone like Carl so valuable is because the quality control was, was pretty known by me on the front end of our relationship. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, cool. Like the fact that he was interested in an associateship was actually like pleasant surprise to me. It's the very rare. Yeah. It, yeah. When you hit that, uh, a level of experience that he was at and, uh, Carl, if you're listening, stay, stay with me, buddy. <laughs> uh, no, but he's, uh, he's, he's doing great and, uh, I feel really lucky. So yeah. 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 That's awesome. Well, Mark, we really appreciate the time. Um, hopefully you had a little fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, if you're checking this out, um, is your are you Mark Spooner? Is that your handle? Uh, Mark W. Spooner. Yeah, give, yeah. give everybody a, like, what's your website? All that. Okay, stuff. yeah. So it's just markspoonerphoto.com, and on Instagram, I'm at Mark W. Spooner. Yeah, so um, check it out. Give check him out a follow. the North Pine Cabin as well. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite Mark. Yeah. Uh, if you want to follow my cabin account, <laughs> at the North Pine Cabin. Yeah. Well, so you can see Mark around all the campfires. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can tell me, oh, I saw that you were at the cabin this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'll be like, what? Um, yeah. But yeah, man, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely, and guys. hopefully something that, um, if you're listening, that you got some value out of. Um, definitely, like I said at the beginning, if you made it this far, you might as well subscribe. You might as well hit the alert bell. Um, check it out. If you're watching on YouTube, you can listen to it on um, iTunes as well as Spotify and a couple other platforms. So check it out, man. Thank you guys so much for joining us and we will see you soon. <laughs>